Yeah, good morning, Southcrest. You guys doing good? Yeah? Man, it's good to be here this morning, and uh, so glad you joined us at Southcrest. Oh, my mom just walked in. Everybody say, hey, Linda. Hey, Mom. Hey, it's cool she showed up. We're talking about the outsiders uh, over the next three weeks. And, um, you know, each, Matt said it earlier, each one of us, man, we're here. We're here because somebody took a chance on us. When we were once yet outsiders, someone loved us, someone accepted us, someone reached out to us. And so, uh, man, that, and, and maybe you're here even, and you still consider yourself an outsider. And that's okay. You know, we're glad you're here joining with us. We're glad you came to this church, to Southcrest, to check out what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And I'll share with you a bit in a minute about what that's all about. But you know, I'm glad my mom walked in because actually it was my mom and dad who took the chance on me. And so I just want to speak to you. Some of you are parents and you got kids and you literally are going to, they are outsiders. You're going to be the one that are going to reach your children. And that is a cool thing. What a great opportunity as a mom and dad to be able to love your children well. And I had a crazy road, man. I walked winding paths, and my mom and dad, they loved me. They prayed for me. They invested in me. They sought after me. And I'm here because somebody took a chance on me. And you know what? We're all called to do that. We're all called to reach out to love people. And we can do it for our very own children. Amen? Amen? That's good. And you know what? If you're here and you're not a Christian and you're kind of wondering what's going on, that is okay. We're so glad you're here. We're glad you decided to show up. And you know, we're going to give you a little peek behind the curtain this morning about kind of how we think as Christians and how we want to relate to people who don't think like we do. And it's cool because there's not a lot, you know, you're going to meet people in life that are not going to believe the way you do. How do we deal with that? You know, Jesus was constantly putting himself around people that didn't think the way that he did. That was the kind of guy he was. And so how do we deal with that? And so if you're not a Christian and you're here checking it out, great. Thanks for coming. Uh, you know, maybe we're going to confirm that Christians really are weird and you're st- we're strange and you don't know what's up. Or maybe you're going to have a great time. I think either way, you're going to have a good time with us this morning. So... We're talking about the outsiders and how we can reach people who are lost. And so, um, if, you know, the, as we talk about this, we're going to be looking at a passage in Luke chapter 10. And we're going to be asking the question, how can we build relationships with people who are on the outside? How can we connect with people who haven't yet found Jesus Christ? And, um, you know, this is a, an interesting way, the way I grew up in this, and kind of my story a little bit. I went to church as a kid and... Man, we had a great time. I remember going to like all these big youth meetings and I had a great youth pastor and uh, he was always kind of, I was getting to go like to beach camp and doing lots of cool stuff. But I remember kind of maybe getting a little mixed up what I was supposed to be doing because even like the, the kind of way that we did it is that we would have kind of a big event and we would invite all of our friends to come. And so we were trying to fill every seat in the auditorium, and we, you know, our job was to kind of go and find a friend and then get them to come and sit in a seat in an event, which was cool. It was a lot of fun. I remember doing that thing, you know, doing those things when we were growing up, and that was the way that we did it at our church, and, and we loved it, man. We really enjoyed it, but I think somewhere for me, I kind of got lost as to kind of what the purpose was or even how to connect with people because we kind of started laying down tracks about what it meant to reach out to outsiders. And so I kind of, for me, it kind of dumbed it down to like getting someone to come 
to an event, which they're all good things. I mean, and, and maybe even it's good. I mean, I'm, I'm still a, a preacher now, and I love when people come, and they, we show up at a big thing, and we're all in the auditorium together, and God moves powerfully in those times. But that's really not the end of my responsibility as a follower of Jesus Christ, is to just befriend somebody and get them to show up and sit in a seat. But for some reason, that was kind of how it happened, and that's how I interpreted it and saw it in my world. And so I thought, yeah, my job is to get somebody to sit there, and I'll leave it to the professionals to share about Jesus. But you know what? I think we're going to see in Luke chapter 10 that God's called us to even something greater. Because for me, as I was doing that, I, you know, even though we were getting people to show up to a thing, I lost touch with getting to know outsiders and having a relationship with people who don't think like I do. And that's the difficult thing because as church people, man, we can, oftentimes we can take this even to a greater extreme because we can begin to be known by what we're against. You know, I mean, they, people can begin to look at us and they can think, okay, great that you're boycotting this and you're against that, but what are you for? Who are you for? And here at Southcrest, man, we like to be known by what we're for. We're for Jesus, amen? We are for Jesus. That's why we're here. And so instead of being known by what we're against and what we're trying to fight against, I mean, we did some weird things when I was growing up. I remember in my town, man, we got excited that we boycotted a local restaurant and shut it down because they didn't think the way that we did. And we were really excited about the fact that we had gotten all the restaurants in town to not sell alcohol on Sunday, and we won. And it was like, not that I necessarily disagree with those ideas. It was just the way that we did it seemed very strange at the time for me. Because it seemed like we were more known by what we were against than what we were before. Because here's the thing about all that. It's so much easier to get across a point than it is to change somebody's life. And so we can make our point, but we fail to make a difference in the lives of people who don't think like we do. And so how do we connect relationally and really reach people who are outsiders? And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Luke 10 has got some cool stuff to say about this idea of connecting with people who are outsiders. So let's look at that together. Luke chapter 10. I'm going to read in verse 1. It says in verse 1 in Luke chapter 10. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. Luke chapter 10, okay? So we see here, Luke, I'm just, to set this up a little bit, Luke chapter 9, Jesus has appointed the 12 disciples and he sent them out, kind of like as the first wave, and he told them specifically what he wanted them to do, but then he also charged them and said, look, this is going to be the cost that you're going to have to pay if you want to follow me. And even we see it here at the beginning of Luke chapter 10, that as we go, there's going to be difficulty. It's going to be hard. You know, we're not going to be able to depend, on, to, depend, to depend on our own resources. God's going to have to come through for us as we go. But this, the interesting thing about Luke chapter 10 is we see that we are all sent to go and do two things. 
Okay, and these two things that I want to talk about this morning. We are all sent to share a message. We're also all sent to a particular person. So we're sent to share a message, and we're sent to a person. And that's what we're going to talk about here this morning. Now, here's the thing, okay? So we know that Jesus sent the disciples to have a message, a public communication that they were supposed to live out and urge other people to believe like they did. And, you know, as we are sent out, we're sent with the same message. And specifically what it says here at the end of, cha- of the section of our verses in chapter 10 is it, it says, declare the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. What is the kingdom of heaven? But here's the thing, right? I mean, a lot of people would say, is that even legitimate for me to do? Like, should I actually communicate a message for other people to believe and urge them to believe the same way that I do? Is that even legitimate? And it's kind of like a hot topic if you think about it in our culture. And maybe some of you sitting here, you're kind of even wondering, like, should I, is that even okay for me to do? Because here's the thing, like, Jesus is working for me. Like, I've got a great relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, he's changed me. He's made me new. He's totally renewed my life. And it's great for me. But I don't know about, like, actually trying to convince somebody else to believe the way that I do. And maybe you kind of think the reverse is true also. It's like, yeah, great that Jesus is working for you. You know, maybe this is kind of the ethos of our culture. Great that Christ has had an impact in your life and you've been affected and changed. That's great for you, but don't try and get me to believe that way, right? That's kind of the way that we think. Is it even legitimate for us to go and try and urge someone to believe the way that we do? Is that legitimate? So we're going to answer those two questions. First of all, should we reach others? Should we reach the outsiders? Should we take a message, message of faith and communicate it publicly? Should we do it? And how do we do it? And that's what we're going to talk about this morning when we talk about the message. First, should we do it? And then, how do we do it? So, we've been sent with a message. What is the message? The kingdom of God is at hand. Well, what did that mean? What did it mean when Jesus said, I want you to go out and I want you to preach the kingdom of God is at hand? Well, if you back up a chapter, he did the same thing with the 12, and he's basically reiterating what he, sold, what he, told, to them, uh, what he told them to do back in chapter 9 with the 72. And so he's saying, look... I want you to go out and preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that meant three things. Three things he told the 12 disciples. He said, that means that you're going to preach the truth, that you're going to cast out demons, and that you're going to heal the sick. And so if you look back in chapter 9, that's what Jesus says. This is what it means to bring the kingdom of heaven. It means that you're going to preach the truth, you're going to heal the sick, and you're going to cast out demons. So what does that mean? What is the impact in an area or a culture or a region when the kingdom of God broke out. Okay, so when Jesus came and he brought his message and his ministry, what happened? It was more than just teaching that Jesus brought. It was truth, but it was more than that. It was a changing of reality. And so what does it look like? Well, I'll tell you in one word, it looked like restoration for the entire community. Do you see? Because preaching the truth is about declaring what is real, how we interact with reality and what is true in the things that we can see. And then casting, casting out demons was about healing people and delivering people from things that enslaved them and kept their souls in bondage. And then healing was about bringing physical healing to people's bodies and to their communities. And so what would happen when the kingdom of God broke out? Restoration would happen. Entire communities were transformed. There was never a doubt when God had shown up 
in a new territory. When he brought his kingdom to bear, man, everybody knew what was going on. And and this is the cool thing about, because this is the gospel that we have been called to declare and proclaim. It's a gospel that changes everything. It restores society. It heals families. It changes lives. And that's the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, go tell them that it has come. It is at hand, which means it's present. It's alive. It's real. It's right here in front of you. So the word send, Jesus is sending out. He said in, this, uh, in, the, in our text, go. He's sending out. The word send, it's missio, is the Latin. It's where we get our word mission from. Okay, and so what we see here is that every one of us, every one of the disciples have been sent on mission. And where Jesus is sending them to specifically is to the regions around Galilee. That's where they were ministering at this time. And he's saying, look, go over here. There's a city here. There's a town here. Go around to these cities and towns. And he's sending these guys out as like the first wave. He's saying, look, prepare the way for me and my ministry. So Jesus is going to follow through, but he says, go and prepare the way. Find a man of peace. Find a place where you can stay and declare the message. And as I think about this, you know, we're called radically to three types of relationships as a Christian. Okay, and this is kind of what we're embracing as Southcrest. This language we're beginning to embrace together is well, there are three types of relationships that we have as Christians. First of all, we're called radically up. We're supposed to have a relationship with God. We're supposed to connect with God relationally. We're supposed to be intimate with the Father through Jesus Christ. And so we're called to have a relationship with Jesus. We're called up. So we're called to be radically up in a relationship with Jesus Christ. We're also called radically in. Each one of us here together, we're called to be the body of Christ. We're the family of God together. And so we should treat each other like family. We should care for each other. We should serve each other. We should listen to each other. We should encourage one another. If somebody's sick, we should go visit them. If someone's hurting, we should listen to them. If someone is in pain, we should be there sitting with them, sharing the pain with them. That's what we're called to be be as the body of Christ. And so we're radically called in as a family of God, but we're also called out. In, out, and up. We're called out to be sent out into the world to reach a specific person or people group that God has prepared in advance for us to reach. And that's what we're called to do. And we see that here in Luke chapter 10, that we are all called to go out. You know, you think about this. Last time I was here before you guys, I got to preach on John 15. And we talked about abiding and we talked about fruit, right? I mean, one of the natural products of abiding in Christ is fruit. And so you might ask yourself, well, what is fruit? Like the Bible talks about this stuff, you know, like what is fruit? Well, there's, it talks about it in two ways. First of all, it talks about the fruit of the spirit. He's got his own fruit, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. But we have our fruit. The fruit of a Christian is another Christian. The fruit of our lives is to see people who are lost and who are far from God come near to him and follow him and live as he would have us live. That's what the fruit of a Christian is. So we're called to go. We're sent to people. We are called to go to the outsider. So I got to go skydiving. You saw my little clip there. Um, nostrils flaring, hair flying. I think my, like Jackie was really surprised. My hair grew like 10 inches, you know, as the air was flying through it. So I looked pretty ridiculous. But it's wild when you're going up in the plane because you're kind of terrified and you're trying not to look terrified you're trying to be tough and they've got a camera in your face and you're just like your life is kind of flashing you before your before your eyes but it was the it was the most exhilarating 30 seconds of my entire life so 
That, real, that 30 seconds, even though free falls don't last a long time, it was a lot of fun. But I, I don't usually live such an adventurous life. I mean, I, um, I got friends of mine who are like really gracious and they take me along on these cool excursions. Uh, my brother-in-law took me to go skydiving. I have a buddy. He also took me, just this happened the last couple of weeks, to go spearfishing. And this was very interesting because spearfish, we did the kind of spearfishing that you do where you just have like the snorkel, you know? So we're like out there in the ocean and they're like, I've ne- I, no one's trained me how to do this. He's like, dude, come on, you're going to love it. So no one's like walked me through like how to breathe and like while I'm, I don't know what to do. So they like pull out in the middle of the ocean, they toss me in the water and I got like flippers and my mask that keeps fogging up and my snorkel gear. And I'm like, and they're like, okay, go just dive down. I'm like, what? And so I go underwater and I can't see but like three feet in front of me. I can see nothing. And so they're like, yeah, just dive down. You're like, you want me to dive down into that? That's terrifying. So he's like, here's what you do. You just follow the rope down. So I began to go to the anchor and just walk myself down. I'm like, why am I doing this? What, this is not fun at all. So, but we got, then we got to a new, a, another area. That was like a really dark, scary place where things were gonna, I thought things were going to eat me. And we go to like crystal clear blue water. And I, there was like this old wreck. And so we're diving. It's about 25 feet of water. But what you have to do is, as if, you've ever, if you've ever dove before, and this is free diving or scuba you know, alike, you have to learn to clear your, your ears. And so like as you're going, the pressure begins to build. It feels like there's the entire world is pushing on your ears and it's painful. And so you got to figure out how to clear. And so as when you're scuba diving, this is like really tough because you're holding all your air in. You're like, I don't want to let go of any of this air. It's all inside my chest. It needs to stay in there. But as you go down, you like have to, you know, you have to clear. So you're blowing out of your nose and your ears while you're going, which seems very counterintuitive. Like, I need all this air. It needs to stay. So I was trying to figure that out and feeling very scared for my life and looking out for sharks and whatever else. So, but, you know, I was having a blast. It was a really good time. I finally learned how to do it. And I did actually spear a fish. Come on. I got one fish. What's up? It was kind of flopping around on the surface of the water and dying, you know, when I shot it. But it was still, it was a fish. You know, it was all good. No, I'm just kidding. It was like, it, there was like a big school of fish, and I was like, I'm going to kill one of you fools. And I shot one, and I ate it that night. Hunter, gather, I took it home, and I cooked it. And actually, my buddy Collins cooked it up for me. He fried it up nice and made it good. Jackie was like, give me some of that. My girl's like, I'm like, no, I'm eating all this. I killed it with my own two hands. But Collins and I got to do that together. We had a lot of fun. But man, what a blast. But you know, here's the thing about adventures. They're fun. They're exciting. But even... After I got done skydiving and uh, after I got to go spearfishing, which I never thought I'd be able to say that about my life, by the way. I'm excited to be able to say that. I was kind of wondering what's next, you know, like, hey, am I going to go like, I went down to 25 feet deep. Am I going to go like to 30? What's the, what's the next thing that I do? How do I keep this going? And I realized the cool thing about adventures, man, and this is anything good. It's like you really just, the next thing for all of us is we want to share it with somebody else. And that was actually why I got to go in the first place, because I had an awesome brother and a buddy who were like, man, you got to come check this out. Like, I had so much fun doing this. You're going to love this. And really, that's when it, when it comes to something good, any kind of experience, that's the way it works. Like, it's fun by yourself, but ultimately, you're like, I want to share this with somebody else. And so, you know, it led me to this conclusion as I was thinking about all this. It's like, when you find something good, its goodness demands that you share it with somebody else. And that's what we do with all good things that we find, right? I was talking to Cameron. Cameron's like, dude, don't drink Starbucks. They're terrible. I'm like, why don't I drink Starbucks? He's like, never mind. Don't ask questions. Just don't drink it. You need to drink Octane, go to Atlanta, get this good coffee. I hope he's got these pour-overs. He's telling me about how I need to drink my coffee. That's Cameron for you. 
He's found something good, and he wants to share it with somebody else. We do this with all kinds. I mean, Mumford and Sons, when they first came out, you probably were like, I'm going to tell everybody about Mumford. I'm going to be the first one to tell people about Mumford and Sons. And then they were like on the Grammys, and you're like, oh, now everybody knows. But still, it's fun to like, when you find something good and exciting, we do it with music, we do it with coffee, with food. Let me get that recipe. You know, we're always sharing good things because that's the nature of good things. You want to share them with somebody else. I mean, I mean, I'm still doing this, man. Like, all stuff, tight pants, high boots, apps, TV shows, eye products, brass knuckles, finger puppets. I mean, the list goes on and on of the things that we want to share with other people. But that's it, man. It's like we like good things and we want, when we see them, by nature, they demand that we share them with someone else because they're good. And we have been given the good news. I mean, that's what it's called. It is the greatest good of all time. The good thing that has happened in our world. It's basically God has come down, lived as a man, existed in this world, lived a perfect sinless life, lived for each and every one of us, was crucified, dead and buried, and then raised from the dead and ascended into the heavens and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he's ruling and reigning right now. That has happened. I mean, do you know what a gospel is? This is, this is interesting. We oftentimes think gospel is like the Christian gospel. Actually, it was basically the gospel. The word gospel means a history-changing event that has totally altered the way everything is and requires everyone to respond to it. And they use the word gospel. You see it in like, if you go back and you look at some of these ancient documents that they have, you see things like this. This is the beginning of the gospel of Caesar Augustus. It says that. This is the beginning of the gospel of Caesar Augustus. What did that mean? Your faces are like, what in the world? Are you t- you're blowing my mind, Jake. That's really what it is. So what is a gospel? The gospel is a history-changing event that demanded everyone to respond to it. And that's what happened when Caesar ascended to the throne. That's what they sent out. It was the gospel of Caesar Augustus. The message went out. You know, they took it everywhere. There were heralds that had those scrolls and they were reading it to people. That's what a gospel is. It's an objective, history-changing event that altered everyone's situation by its happening. And everyone needed to respond to it. And so what is the gospel? Well, we get to declare the kingdom of God that it has come. And guess what? It's a history-changing event that has changed everything. That everyone needs to respond to. And if we don't respond to it, history will leave us in its wake. Because it has changed everything. I mean, sometimes we forget the magnitude of knowing that the second person of God, Jesus Christ, has come and has transformed the world. But that's the gospel, and it has changed everything. That's the kingdom that we serve. That's the kingdom that we get to share. And if you found it, if you found the goodness of the gospel, if it has touched your life, if you have been a recipient of of its, good, of its goodness and its pleasures, then if you found something good, its goodness demands that you share it with something else. And so by nature, this is the good news. And we have to give it to other people because it's changed everything. So we need to share it. So the kingdom of God 
is at hand. That's what Jesus told his followers to declare, that the kingdom of God was here, and it's at hand. And so Jesus asks us to share a message. Okay, that's the first point. He asks us to share a message, and that's what it is. The kingdom of God is at hand. And it's more than just saying it, right? It's about understanding the reality that a whole new situation, a whole new way of living, a whole new way of seeing the world has broken in. And it's because of Jesus Christ. So he sent us to declare a message, but he's also sent us to a specific person. Okay? And I'm going to kind of wrap up with this idea, but this is really the key around what I want to talk to you about this morning. Because as disciples, they were supposed to go out and look for a man of peace. And that is what Jesus has called us to do as well, is look for a person of peace. And this is interesting because it kind of alters the way that I grew up and maybe many of us grew up thinking about what our responsibility was when it comes to reaching lost people or reaching outsiders, right? It's, it's not just about getting a friend in a seat. It's about we're supposed to go out into our city, into our neighborhoods, into our towns, into our region, South Atlanta, and find the man of peace. And what does it say about the man of peace when you find him or her? Obviously, man is not gender-specific. What does it say about the person of peace that we are called to? We're called to go to a person, and then when we find them, we're to remain. And that's the key. It's that you need to invest in this person that God has set aside for you to reach. Earlier, we asked the question, how do we take a message of faith to outsiders? And that's the way that we do it is we're supposed to find the outsider that we have influence with. So who is the outsider that you have influence with? And Luke 10 even begins to describe what that looks like. It's the person of peace, and they will, they will be somebody who welcomes you, who receives you, who accepts you into their home, who takes care of you, who listens to you, who, who invests in you. Okay, that's what a person of peace does. They are drawn to you, and you are drawn to them. The way I say it, I like to say this very simple. You like them, and they like you. You want to be friends with them, and they want to be friends with you. That's a person of peace. And so God has called us to go looking for people specifically, individually. There's a story that only you can tell. It's your story, and it needs to be told to someone who you know, someone who likes you, someone who has received you, someone who listens to you. There's people out there that only your hands are going to be able to touch and bring healing in their life. There's people out there who need to know who you are and what you have. Interestingly, if you look at Ephesians chapter 4.20, it says that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has prepared in advance for us to do. And so we see from Luke 10 and Ephesians 4 that we aren't just sent generally casting seeds helter-skelter of the gospel about as we go. Sure that those, those seeds may go out and they may be planted and they may germinate and they may bear forth fruit, but here's what we're specifically called to do. We're called to go to a person. And so we need to invest intentionally in relationships with people who are outsiders. And find your own way to do it. Go to the coffee shop. I like to play soccer. And so I oftentimes will go to the soccer field and I'll just find who the Lord leads me to. And it's been a lot, I've spent a lot of time there on the soccer, Houston and I do this together, he's my boy. We both go over there and we play soccer and we just see what God does. But wherever you find yourself, at the grocery store, at your office, at work, at the coffee shop, I don't care, wherever it is, begin to ask the Lord, who is the person of peace that you have sent me to? 
Our mission to go isn't random, it's specific. We're called to go to a specific person. You know, I want to close with this idea. It's, um, it's a story that I heard as I was doing my research uh, these past few weeks, and it's about a revival that happened in Ireland in 1857. And so there's this story of this little boy who uh, is wrestling with what, like he's wrestling with eternal destiny. Am I a Christian? What does it look like? What does it take to be saved? And so he's just tormented with kind of, what does it look like to, to be a Christian, to be saved? And he doesn't understand, he doesn't know, and he's wrestling with it. And so he's at school, and he's getting depressed, and he's crying, and he's upset, and he's hurt. And his teacher is trying to help him out, but he's not having much luck. And so finally the teacher says, literally, I'm quoting, look, I don't know what's wrong, but you need to go home. And so his teacher sends him home. And he sends, okay, he just picks some random kid who's in the class. And he says, you go take this kid home, walk him home. And these kids are 12 years old. He's like, walk him home and, and let him try and work this out, okay? So they begin to walk home. And the kid's hurting and he's depressed and he begins to share what's going on inside of his heart with his friend. And it just so happened that his friend that his teacher picked for him was a Christian. And so this young man begins to share with this hurting boy what it means to be a Christian and how to know that you can have assurance that you have faith in Jesus Christ. And the little boy, 12-year-old, he responds immediately. He says, that's it. I need to follow Jesus. I need to become a Christian. And so he gets saved right then and there while they're walking home from school. And so they get excited and they begin to get passionate about it. And it's like, I don't need to go home anymore. I'm ready to go back to school. And so they turn around and they go back to school, which is a miracle in itself. 12-year-old boys going back to school. But it's cool. And so they go back to school and, and then they show up in class. And I, I want to get this right. Um, and so they, they get back and the teacher says, what, what's going on? What has happened? Why are you feeling better? I'm quoting. And the boy says, it's all right. I'm a Christian now. Jesus has saved me. It's all right. I'm a Christian now. Jesus has saved me. 1857, 12-year-old boy. And he goes and sits down. And in the account that I was reading, it was like a silence, a hush had fallen over the entire class. And everyone is just kind of staring there and looking around. And then kids, one by one, began to say, I, I want to talk to that other kid who helped that other kid out. I want to go talk to that 12-year-old boy who told the other kid about what it means to be a Christian. I want to go and get saved. And so just in that little, little revival begins to break out in this 12-year-old classroom. And kids begin to respond to the gospel. And, you know, people are getting saved. And there's prayer groups that are forming. And people are getting, to, little kids are getting to celebrate. And the teacher's like, what in the world do I do? I don't know how to respond to this. What do I, how do I control this? And, but he just lets it happen. And he says, look, why don't you guys go to the playground? And you can just keep this going. And so other classes began to show up on the playground. And people, other kids started getting saved on the playground. And like revival begins to break out in the school. Kids are getting saved. Teachers start getting saved. And it just keeps going. They shut down school for the day because God is at work and he's breaking out in power in these kids' lives. And then the parents show up to pick up their kids and they join in. And they start responding to the gospel and they start getting saved. And so then it just doesn't stop. I mean, it just keeps going because more people begin to show up because they hear what's happening in the town and no one's going home. They're asked, there's like, we're not leaving this spot. And so they meet for like two days straight, morning, noon, and night. 
24 hours, they all begin to share about what God is doing in their life. And the city comes out and people start responding to the gospel. Revival breaks out. And they say, they say in the accounts that a third of the people who live in that area, over the, of 300,000 people, over a third of them came to saving faith in Jesus Christ. Now that's quick math, right? That's over 100,000 people that responded to the call of the gospel, all because one little boy walked home with another little boy and shared with him what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And guys, we can do that. All we have to do is be faithful. All we have to do is walk through the open doors that God has already given us. He's already prepared someone for you to go to. He has already set aside the person of peace that he wants you to reach. They're there waiting for you. Someone took a chance on you. Someone took a chance on me. And we are here because someone shared the love of Jesus Christ with us. How can we not do the same? How can we not do the same? Let's pray this morning. And I want to challenge you. Maybe you're here this morning and you are that little boy. Man, you are struggling. You are struggling with what it means to be a Christian. And your heart is burning inside of you. And you need to get it straight. You need to get it right with Jesus. You know what? You can do that right here this morning. I don't know what you think. If you're not a Christian and and you came here, you might think we're still weird. But hopefully, and I believe, that you're beginning to see that this is the greatest life that you could ever have. Because if you want restoration, you want healing, you want forgiveness, you want peace, Jesus is the way. And so you can respond to him right here this morning. And so if you're here this morning and you would say, man, I've never prayed to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. And you can just pray with me right here, right here in, this, in your seat, right here in this building, right here in this place. Just pray these words. Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I trust you to make me clean. I trust you to make me right with God. You and you alone, Jesus Christ. I want to serve you with all my life. And if you prayed that this morning, you have just taken the first step into an incredible journey with Jesus Christ. Better than skydiving, better than spearfishing. It's incredible. You know what? I I would just like to know if you have prayed that this morning. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, just please for a minute longer, if you would just... Just look up at me and raise your hand just real fast if you prayed that. I'd like to pray for you. Thank you, ma'am. I would just like to pray for you. Yes, ma'am, thank you. If you prayed that, I would like to pray for you. Just raise your hand. Let me thank you, ma'am. If you would just let me thank you, sir. If you would just do that, just let me, ma'am, thank you. Just let me know. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. I see you. Thank you. Just let me know. You could still tell me. I'd love to pray for you. If anybody else, anybody else who has prayed that this morning and just wants to let me know. I'm not letting anybody know. This is just between you and me and the Lord. I'd love to pray for you. Father God, thank you for what you did this morning in the lives of so many here. God, we trust you. We know that you are good. We love you. I pray for each individual that raised their hand this morning. I ask you, God, that you would pour yourself out on them in a powerful way. that they would see you with clarity, Father God. Open your word to them. You know, you may be sitting there, and as I was talking, and, you know, you just, the Lord began to bring someone to your mind when we talked about this person of peace. 
And, you know, you can't talk about this idea and not get real specific with real people. And so maybe you were sitting there and the Lord began to bring a person to your mind. You know, I'd like you to just take out your Connect card, even this morning, just take it out, and the, pers- the place where you've got notes, just write that person's name down. If you'll just do that. I-, I believe that God would like to give you a name this morning of somebody who you can pray for, who you can connect with intentionally. And if you, would just, if you wouldn't mind, just take out your Connect card and write that person's name down. That would be great. I would think that that would be awesome if we could do that this morning. Well, Lord, we love you. We thank you, God, for the work that you're doing. We thank you, God, that you have been at work here amongst us. We celebrate the name of Jesus Christ and the message that you've called us to declare and the person that you've called us to go to. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.